Chapter 6 How to develop self-confidence and influence people by public speaking by Dale Carnegie The secret of good delivery Shortly after the close of the First World War, I met two brothers in London, Sir Rose and Sir Keith Smith. They had just made the first aeroplane flight from London to Australia, had won the $50,000 prize offered by the Australian government, had created a sensation throughout the British Empire and had been knighted by the King. Captain Harley, a well-known scenic photographer, had flown with them or a part of the trip taking motion pictures and the help that prepared an insulation, travel talk of their flight and trained them in the delivery of it. They gave it twice daily for four months in Philharmonic Hall, London, one speaking to in the afternoon and the other at night. They had had identically the same experience, had sat side by side as they flew halfway around the world. They have delivered the same talk, almost word for word. Yet, somehow it didn't sound like the same talk at all. There is something besides the mere words in a talk which counts. It's a fair flavor with which they are delivered. It is not so much that what you say as you how you say it. The one sat beside a young woman at a public concert who was reading as Paderewski played them the notes of Mazurka by Chopin. She was mystified. She couldn't understand his fingers were touching precisely the same notes that hers had touched when she had played it. Yet her retention, rendition has been commonplace and is was inspired a thing of surpassing beauty, a performance that held the audience enthralled. It was not the mere notes that he touched, it was the way he touched them, a feeling, an artistry, a personality, and he put into the touching that made all the difference between mediocrity and genius. Brulov, the great Russian painter, once corrected a pupil's study. The pupil looked in amazement at the altar drawing, exclaiming, why you have touched it all over a tiny bit? But it quite another thing. Brulov replied, art begins where the tiny bit begins. This is a true of speaking as it of painting of Paddles keep playing. The same tilling holds true when one is touching words. There is an old saying in the English parliament that everything depends on the manner in which one speaks and not upon the matter. Quintilian said that long ago when England was one of the outlying colonies of Rome. Like most old saying, it need to be taken, come, grano sales, but Good delivery will make very thin matter go a very long way. I have often noticed in college contests that it is not always the speaker of the best material who wins. Rather, it is a speaker who can talk so well that his material sounds best. Three things matter in a speech. Lord Morley once observed with a gay cynicism. Who say it, how he say it, and what he says. And of three, the last matter the least. An exaggeration, as but scratch the surface of it and you will find the truth shining through. Edmund Brooke wrote, Speech is so excellent in logic and reasoning and composition. They are today studied at classic models of oration in half of the colleges of the land. Yet Brooke, as a, as a speaker, was a notorious failure. 
he didn't have the ability to deliver his gems to make them interesting and forceful so he was called the dinabel of the house of commons when he arose to talk the other members coughed and shuffled and went in rows you can throw a steel jacketed bullet at a man with all your might and you cannot make even a dent in his clothing but put powder behind a tallow candle and you can shoot it through a pine board many a tallow candle speech with powder makes i regret to say more of an impressive that a steel jacketed tog with no force behind it look well therefore to your delivery what is delivery why does a department store to when it delivers the article you have bought does the driver just toss the package in the backyard and let it go at that is merely getting a thing one out of one's own hand the same as getting it delivered the person the messenger boy with the telegram delivers the wire into the direct possession of the person for whom it is intended but do all speakers let me give you an illustration that is typical of the fashion in which thousands of people talk i happened on one occasion to be stopping in mirren a summer resort in the swiss alps i was living at the hotel operated by a london company and they usually sent out from england a couple of lecturers each week to talk to guests one of them was well known english novelist her topic was the future of novel she admitted she had not selected the subject herself and the long and short of it was that she had nothing to say about it that she really cared enough about saying to make it worthwhile expressing she had hurriedly hurriedly she had hurriedly made some rambling notes and she should before the audience ignoring and hearers not even looking at them standing sometimes over their heads sometimes at her notes sometimes at the floor she called her for words into the primeval void with a faraway look in her eyes and faraway ring in her voice that kind of performance is delivering a talk at all delivering a talk at all it is a soliloquy soliloquy it has no sense of communication and that is the first essential of good talking a sense of communication the audience must feel that the message is being delivered straight from the mind and heart of the speaker to their minds and their hearts the kind of talk i have described might just as well has been spoken out the sandy waterless wastes of the gobi desert in fact it sounded as if it were being delivered in some spot rather than to group of living human beings this matter of delivering a talk is at the same time a very simple and very intricate process it is it is also very much misunderstood and abused the secret of good delivery an anonymous amount of nonsense spiral has been written about delivery it has been stored in rules and rights and made mysteries old fashioned elocution about the abomination and the sight of god and man has often made it ridiculous the businessman going to the lib- library on bookshop has found volume and orator that were utterly useless in spite of progress in other directions some school boys are still being forced to recite the ordinate oratory of abstract and ingressible a thing that is as much out of style and as far removed from the spirit of the age as the hats hats worn by mr ingressol and miss webster would be if they were resurrected today today 
an entirely new school of speaking has sprung up since the civil war in keeping with the spirit of times it is as direct as a telegram the verbal five walks the ones the vogue would no longer to be tolerated by audience in which year of grace the modern audience regardless of whether it is 15 people at a business conference or a thousand people under a tent want the speaker to talk just as directly as it would in a chat and the same general manner that he would employ in speaking to one of them in conversation in the same manner but not with the same amount of force if he tries that he will hardly be heard in order to appeal natural he has to use much more energy in talking to 40 people than he does in talking to one just as a statue on top of a building has to be of heroic size in order to make it appear of life like proportions to any observer on the ground as the close of mark twain's lecture in nevada mining camp an old prospector approached him and inquired be them your natural tones of eloquence that is why the audience wants your natural tones of eloquence and launched a bit speak to the community chest just as you would to john handy smith what is the mat what is the meeting of chest committee after all but a mere collection of john handy smiths won't the same methods that are successfully with those men and women individually be successful with them collectively i have just described the delivery of certain novelist in the same ballroom in which she had spoken i had the pleasure of few night later of hearing sir oliver lodge his subject was atoms and worlds he devoted it more than half a century of thought and study and experiment and investigation he had something that was essential and part of his heart and mind and life something that he had wanted very much to say he forgot and i for one thank god that he did forget that he was trying to make a speech that was the least of his worries he was concerned only with telling the audience about atoms telling us accurately the lucidity and feelings he was honestly trying to get us to see what he saw and feel what he felt and what was the result he delivered a remarkable talk it had both charm and power it made a deep impression he was a speaker of unusual ability at i'm sure he didn't regard himself in that light i'm sure that few people had him ever think of him as a public speaker at all if you who read this book speak in public so that people hearing you will suspect that you have trained in public speaking you will not be credited to the author he would decide you to speak with such intensified and exalted naturalness that your audience auditors would never dream that you had been trained the good window does not call attention to itself it merely lets in the light a good speaker is like that he is so natural that his hearers never notice his manner of speaking they are conscious only of his matter handy ford's advice all fords are exactly like their maker used to say but no two men are just like every new life is a new thing under the sun there has never been anything just like it before and never will be again the young man out to get the idea about himself he should look for the single spark of individuality that makes him different from other folks and develop that for all he is worth society and schools may try to iron it out for of him the tendency is to put us all in the same mold but i say don't let that spark be lost it's your only claim to importance all that is 
doubly true of public speaking. There is no other human being in the world like you. Hundreds of millions of people have two eyes and a nose and a mouth, but none of them look precisely like you, and none of them has exactly your traits and methods and cast of mind. Few of them will talk and express themselves just as you do when you're speaking naturally. In other words, you have an individuality. As a speaker, it is your most precious, precision, precious possession. Cling it to, cherish it, develop it. It is a spark that will put force and sincerity into your speaking. It's your only real claim to importance. Sir Oliver Lord spoke differently from other men because he himself was different. The man's manner of speaking was as essential as a part of his own individuality, as were his beard and bald head. If he had tried to imitate Lloyd George, he would have been false. It would have failed. He would have failed. The most famous debates ever held in America took place in 1858. In prairie towns of Illinois between Senator Stephen A. Douglas and Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln was tall and awkward. Douglas was short and graceful. These men were as unlike in their characters and mentality and personality and dispositions as they were in their physics. Douglas was the cultured man of the world. Lincoln was a real splitter who went to the front door in his soft feet to receive company. Douglas gestured were graceful. Lincoln's were ungainly. Douglas were utterly destitute of humor. Lincoln was one of the greatest storytellers who ever lived. Douglas seldom used a smile. Lincoln constantly argued by analogy and illustration. Douglas was haughty and overbearing. Lincoln was humble in forgiveness. Douglas thought in quick flashes. Lincoln's mental process were much lower. Douglas spoke with impetuous rush of verbal. Lincoln was quieter and deeper and more deliberate. Both, both, of the, both of these men alike and they were, were able speakers because they had the courage and good sense to be themselves. If either had tried to imitate the other, he would have failed miserably. But each one, by using to the utmost his own peculiar talents, made himself individual and powerful, go through and do likewise. This is an easiest direction to give, but it is an easy one to follow. Most empathically, empathically, it is not. As Marshall Fox said of the art of war, it is simple in its conception, but unfortunately complicated in its execution. It takes practice to be natural. It takes practice to be natural before an audience. Actors know that. Know that. When you were a little boy or girl, four year old, you probably could have you but tried have mounted a platform and recited naturally to an audience. But when you are 20 and 4 or 40 and 4, what will happen if you mount a platform and start to speak? Will you retain the unconscious naturalness that you possessed at 4? You may, but it's dollars to donuts that you will become stiff and tilted and mechanical and draw back into your shell like a snapping turtle. The problem of teaching or of training people is delivered is not one of the superimposing additional characters. It is largely one of the removing impediments of freeing them, of getting them to speak, speak with the naturalness that they would display if someone would knock them down. Hundreds of times I have stopped speakers in the midst of the talks and implored them to talk like a human being. 
hundreds of nights i have come home mentally fatigued and nervously exhausted from trying to drill and force people to talk naturally no believe me it's not so easy as it sounds and the only way under high heaven by which you can get the knack of this enlarged naturalness is by practice and as you practice if you find yourself talking in a stilted manner pause and say sharply to yourself mentally here what is wrong wake up be human then pick out someone in the audience some person in the back the dullest looking character you can find and talk to him or her forget there is anyone else present at all converse with him imagine that he had asked you a question and that have answer that you are answering it if he were to stand up and talk to you and you were to talk back to him that process would immediately and inevitably make your talking conversationally more natural and more direct so imagine that he is precisely what is talking taking place he may go so far as actually to ask question and answer them for example in the midst of your talk you may say and you ask what proof have you may go so far as actually to ask question and answer them for example in the midst of your talk you may say and you ask what proof have i for this assertion i have adequate proof and here it is then proceed to answer the imaginary question that sort of thing can be done very naturally it will break up the one or three of one's delivery it will make it direct and pleasant conversational sincerity and enthusiasm i urged will help you too when a person is under the influence of his feeling his real self comes to the surface the boss are down the heat of his emotion has burned all barriers away he acts spontaneous he talks spontaneously is natural so in the end even this matter of delivery comes back to the thing which has already been emphasized repeatedly in these pages namely put your help put your heart in your talks i shall never forget said dean brown in his lecture on preaching before the al divinity school the description given by a friend of mine of service which he once attended in the city of london the preacher was george macdonald he read for the scripture lessons that morning the 11th chapter of hebrews when the time came for the sermon he said you have all heard about this man of faith i shall not try to tell you what faith is there are theological professors who could do the best better that i could do it i'm here to help you believe then followed such a simplest heart heartfelt majestic manifestation of the man's own faith in those unseen realities which are eternally as a big at faith in the minds and hearts of all its hearers his heart was in the work and his delivery was effective because it rested back upon the genuine beauty of his own inner life his heart was in the work this is the secret yet i know the advice look like it not popular it seems vague it sounds indefinite the average student wants full proof rules sometime something definite something he can put he can put his hands on rules are precise as the directions for operating a car that is what he wants that is what i would like to give him i would it would be easy for him it would be easy for him there are such rules there is only one like little thing wrong with him they don't work they take all the naturalness and spontaneity 
and life and juicy out of speaking i know in the younger days i wasted a great deal of energy trying them they won't appear in these pages for a jobs billings absurd in one of his lighter moments there ain't no use in knowing so many things that ain't so do you do do these things when you talk in public we are going to discuss here some of the features of natural speaking in order to make them more clear or more vivid i've hesitated about doing it for someone is almost sure to say ah i see just force myself to do these things and i'll be right no you won't force yourself to do them and you'll be at the wooden and all mechanical mechanical use to most of these principles as study in your conversation use them unconsciously as you digested your dinner last night this is the way to use them it is the only way and it will come and it will come as far as public speaking is concerned as we have already said only be practice first says important words important important words subordinate unimportant ones in conversation we hit one syllable in a word in conversation we hit one syllable in a word and hit it hard and hurry over the others like a pig car passing a string of hobos extra example massachusetts massachusetts affliction attractiveness environment we do almost the same thing with the sentence we make one or two important words tower up like an empire state building on 5th avenue new york this is not a strange or unusual process i'm describing listen you can hear it going on about you all the time you also did it a hundred maybe thousand times yesterday you'll doubtlessly do it hundred times tomorrow here an example read the following quotation quotation striking the words in a big type harder run over the other quickly what is the effect i have succeeded in whatever i undertake because i filled it i have never hesitated which has given me advantage over the rest of mankind napoleon i have succeeded in whatever i have undertaken because of i willed it i have never hesitated which have given us advantage over the rest of mankind this is not the only way to read these lines another speaker would do in different perhaps there are no iron clad rules for emphasis it all depends read the selections aloud in honest manner trying to make the ideas clear and convincing don't you are fine don't you find yourself stressing the big important words and hurrying over the others if you think you're beaten you are if you think you're dare not you don't if you don't like to win but think you cannot it's almost like kinch you won't life's battles don't always go to the to the stronger as faster man but soon or late the man who wins is the one who thinks he can perhaps it is no more important component of character that steadfast resolution the boy who is going to make a great man or going to count in any vein after life must make up in his mind not merely to overcome a thousand obstacles but to win in spite of thousand repulses and defeats theodore roosevelt second one change your pitch 
The pitch of our voices in conversation flows up and down the scale from high and low and back again, never resting but always shifting like the face of the sea. Why? No one knows and no one cares. The effect is pleasing and is the way of nature. Nature. He, we never had to learn to do this. It came to us as children, unsought and unaware. But let us stand up and face an audience and the chances are our voice will become as dull, flat and monotonous as the alkali deserts of Nevada. When you find yourself talking in a monotonous pitch and usually it will be a high one, just pause for a second and say to yourself, I am speaking like a wooden Indian. Talk to these people, be human, be natural, be natural. Will that kind of lecture to yourself help you any? A little perhaps. The pause itself will help you. You have to work out your own salvation by practice. You can make any phrase or word that you choose stand out like a green bay tree in the front yard by either suddenly lowering or raise your pitch on it. Dr. S. Parker Scadman, the famous The famous Congressional Minister of Brooklyn often did not, did it, so did Sir Oliver Lord, so did Brand, so did Roosevelt, so does almost every speaker of note. With the following quotations, try saying the italicized words in a much lower pitch than used for the rest of the sentence. What is the effect? I have but one merit, that of never despairing. Marshall Fox. The great aim of education is not knowledge, but action. I have lived 86 years. I have watched men climb up to success, hundreds of them, and all of the elements that are important for success. The most important is faith. Cardinal Gibson. Third one is vary your rate of speaking. When a little child talks, when we talk in ordinary conversation, we constantly change our rate of speaking. It is pleasing. It is natural. It is unconscious. It is emphatic. It is, in fact, one of the very best of all possible way to make an idea to stand over prominently. Walter B. Stevens in the Reporters Lincoln Institute by the Missouri Historical Society tells us that this is one of the Lincoln's favorite methods of driving a point home. He would speak several words with great rapidity, come to the word or phrase he wishes to emphasize, and let his voice linger or bear hard on it, and there he would rush to the end of his sentence light lightning. He would devote as much time to the word of two he wished, he wished to emphasize he did to have a dozen less important words following it. Such a matter invariably arrested attention. To illustrate, I have often quoted in a public talk, in a public talk the following statement by Cardinal Gibson. I wanted to emphasize the idea of courage, so I lingered of these italicized words, drew them out and spoke it, as if I were myself were impressed with them, and I was, will you please, will you please read the selection aloud, trying the same method and note the results. A short time before his death, Cardinal Gibson said, I have lived 86 years, I have watched men climb up to successful hundreds of them, and of all the elements that are important for success, the most important is faith, no great things comes to any man unless he has courage. Try this, say $30 million quickly and with an air of triviality so that it sounds like a very small sum. Now say 
$30,000. Say it slowly, say it feeling, say it as if you were tremendously impressed with the hugeness of the amount. Haven't you now made the $30,000 sound larger than the $30 million? Fourth one is pause before and after important ideas. Lincoln often paused in his speaking when he lied had come to a big idea that he wished to impress deeply in the mind of your he bent forward looked directly in their eyes for a moment and said nothing at all then suddenly silence had the same effect as a sudden noise in attracted notice it made everyone attentive alert awake to what was coming next for example when if his famous debates with Douglas were drawing it trying to a close when all the indications pointed to the, his defeat, he became depressed. His old habitual melancholy stealing over him at time and imparting to his words to touching pathos. In one of his concluding speeches, he suddenly stopped and stood silent for a moment. Looking around upon the throng of half indifferent, half friendly face before him, with those deep sunken weary eyes that always seemed full of unshed tears, folding his hands, as if they were true, were tired of helpless fight, he said in his picture of monotone, My friends, it makes little difference, very little difference, whether Judge Douglas or myself is elected to the United States Senate, but the great issue which we have submitted to you today is far above and beyond and personal interest or the political fortunes of any man. And my friends, here he paused again, and the audience who were intent on every word that issued will live and breathe and bump with the poor, feeble, stammering tongue of Judge Douglas and myself as a silent in the grave. These simple words relates one of his biographers and the manner in which they were spoken touched every heart to the core. Lincoln, Lincoln also passed off the phrases he wanted to emphasize. He added to their force by keeping silent while the meaning sank in and affect its mission. Sir Oliver Lodge paused frequently in his speaking, both before and after important ideas, paused as often as, as three or four times in one sentence, but he did it naturally and unconsciously. No man, unless he were analyzing Sir Oliver's methods, would notice it. By your silence, said Kipling, you shall speak. Nowhere is silence more golden than when it is judicially used in talking. It is a powerful tool, too important to be ignored, yet it is usually neglected by the beginner speaker, beginning speaker. The following expert except the following except from Hallman's Ginger Talks, I have marked the places where a speaker might profitably pause. I do not say that there are only places where or out to pause or even the best places. I say only there is one way to, of doing it. Way to pause is not a matter of hard and fast rules. It is a matter of meaning of temper, temperament and feeling. You might pause one place in a speech today and in another place in the same speech tomorrow. Read this selection aloud without pausing. Then read it again, making the pauses I've indicated. What is, what is the effect of pauses? Selling goods in a battle, pause a pause and let the idea of battle soak in and only fighters can win it pause and let the point soak in we may not like these conditions but we didn't have the making of them and we cannot alter them pause take your courage with you when you enter the selling game if you don't pause 
if you don't pause and lengthen and suspension of second you will strike out every time you come to bat and score nothing higher than a string of goose eggs no matter ever made of three base hit who was afraid of pitcher pause and let your point soak in remember that pause and let it soak is some more the follow who knows the cover of the ball or lifts it over the fence of a home run it always the chap who steps up to the plate pause and increase the suspense as to what you are going to say about this extraordinary player will crimp determination in his heart read the following quotations aloud with the force and meaning observe what you naturally pause the great american desert is not located in idaho new mexican or arizona it is located under the heart of the average man the great american desert is a mental desert rather than a physical desert there is no panacea for human ills the nearest approach to it is publicity there are two peoples i must please god and garfield i must live with the garfield here with god hereafter the speaker may follow the directions i have set down in this chapter and still have hundred faults he may talk in public just as he does in conversation and consequently he may speak with an unpleasant voice and men grammatically announce and be awkward and offensive and do a score unpleasant things a person naturally may method of everything talking need a vast number of improvements perfectly your nature man natural method of talking in conversation and then carry the method to the platform this is a chapter 6 in how to develop self confidence and influence people by public speaking by dale carnegie let's have a summary of this chapter summary there is something beside the mere words in a talk which counts it is the flavor with which they are delivered it is not so much what you say as you how you say it many speakers ignore the hearers stare over their heads or at the floor they seem to be delivered as slowly soliloquy there is no sense of communication no give and take between the audience and the speaker that kind of attitude would kill a conversation it always it also kills a speech good delivery is good delivery is conversational tone and directness and large talk to the community chest just as you would to john smith what is a chest committee after all but a collection of john smiths everyone has the ability to deliver a talk if you question this statement try it out for yourself knock down the most ignorant man you know when he gets on his feet he will probably say something and his manner of saying them will be almost flawless we want you to take the same naturalness with you when you speak it public to develop it you must practice don't imitate others if you speak spontaneously you'll speak differently from anyone else in the world put your own individuality your 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 own characteristic manner into your delivery talk to your heroes just as if you expected them to stand up in the moment and talk back to you if they were to rise and ask you questions your delivery would almost be sure to improve emphatically and at once so imagine that someone has asked you a question and that you are repeating it say aloud you ask how do i know this i'll tell you i'll tell you that sort of thing will seem perfectly nature it will break up the formality of your physiology it warm and humanize your manner of talking put your heart into your talking really emotional sincerity will help more than all the rules in 
Christendom. Here are the four things that all of us do unconsciously in earnest conversation, but you do them when you're talking in public. Most people do not. Do is such the important words in the sentence subordinate the unimportant ones. Do you give almost every word including the and but approximately the same amount of attention or do you speak a sentence in much the same way that you say as Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Does the pitch of your voice how up and down the scale for high to low and back again as the pitch of light little children does when speaking. Do you vary your rate of speaking or running rapidly over the unimportant words, spending more time on the one you wish to make stand out? Do you pass before or after your important ideas? So this is the summary of chapter 6 of Dale Carnegie's book. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much.